Hi, Mike. Hi. Hi, Matt. Oh, wow. Hi, Liz. Yeah. Look at that. Look at that. They both nailed it we on the first try. We'll call you Liz. Thank you. Wow. Like, yeah, but it's because you talked to him in your nice voice. I've never heard that nice voice. It was very dis- <laughs> weird. I was like, what? what He's like, oh, my God, that? that's, that's so unfamiliar. That's, what show that's, am I on? That's, that's pleasant. Is What's she possessed? <laughs> hey, and welcome to a, another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. Wow, we got that backwards, but okay, whatever. I'm just happy that we have the cowbell back. <laughs> anyways, uh, hey, was, this is there was premature cowbell. Sorry. Yeah, well, d- yeah, and we're just happy that he found it. Uh, <laughs> hey, this is <laughs> you're going to ruin your podcast listing on Apple iTunes if you keep talking about pels like that. That's right. This is, of course, the podcast where we talk with advocates and members of the disability community to educate and inspire better conversation about disability hey my name is rob minot and joining me today mr cowbell himself and mr butterfingers mr ryan flurry hello everyone look who else is here it's Liz malone yay and i won't be spewing any pea soup i promise (laughs) promises promises Promises. Uh, hey and uh how is everybody Groovy. Yeah, well rested. Why are you well rested? Oh, I was, I was up in the mountains. Wait, what? You I, went away I, again already after I, from I, last week? I do a lot of day trips and little travel here and there. Man. Yeah, yeah. Man, you're a jet setter. <laughs> I, I get around. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Huh. Well, where? Oh, you forget it. You're not going to tell us anyway. I don't know why I bother <laughs> asking. <laughs> And just the how mountain, are you? some mountains somewhere. Oh yeah, don't change how the subject. You, no, how listen, you, I didn't go away for a trip, so I have no interesting <laughs> stories. So let's go back to you now. <laughs> let's talk about these mountains. Were they Appalachian mountains? Were they uh, maybe they were the Rocky Mountains? I don't know what other mountains are down they there. Were, we were we were right by the AT Trail. Yeah. Oh really? Okay, so yeah, that was a good yeah. guess. Yeah. So we were, huh? Yes. So that means you went with somebody. Me and many people who go in to visit oh, the mountainous okay, sure. area. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Mystery people again. Forget it. Okay, uh, let's move on. I'm many bored of people, this now. Many important people. <laughs> <laughs> Went to the mountains. Which mountains? Moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Maybe you know we'll just have a like. Well, maybe we just uh, get the audience involved, and we can just have a contest, and people just guess where Liz, 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 was. We're gonna slip a. Slip an apple tag into one of her belongings. <laughs> oh, that's tag. a great idea. Yeah, exactly. Tracker. Tracker. Yeah. You're gonna put. You're gonna put a lojack on me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the stories that that lojack. The, the list. You're gonna call it the list jack. <laughs> that's right. Be great. Uh, all right. Enough nonsense. Uh, is lojack a thing still? I mean, I think I it know. is. Wow. That's a you good guys question. are all dating yourselves. You do understand. I, I've never heard of. Low Jack. Oh, listen, somebody You're else. You're older than I am, sir. <laughs> At least you know your place there, youngster. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, Ryan. Yes, Rob. Now that we've unleashed, forget it. What are we doing today? 
Today we are having back on AT Banter our friends from Numa Solutions, Mike Calvo and Matt Campbell. Hey guys, thanks for coming Hello. back. Hello. Hello. Thanks guys. It is good. Uh, good to have you guys back. I was trying to think actually when we had you guys on last, and I think it was, I think it was pre-COVID, wasn't it? No. We were on in like early 2021 to talk about Scribe for meetings. Oh, really? Interesting. Okay, so it was it was there was so it was during. I was COVID. looking for okay. cowbell and I couldn't find it. <laughs> well, Must you're not the only it. one that has trouble finding cowbells. Yeah, around here. That's right. Lots has changed since we had you guys on last. Oh yeah, much much has changed. Well, listen, we'll get to that, but maybe we can start out with just in case uh, people are listening who haven't heard your previous appearances. Give us a little bit of an idea of, of what you guys do over there at NUMA and uh, some of the products that you guys uh, are building. Well, my name is Mike Calvo. I am one of the founders of NUMA Solutions, formerly from Serotech, uh, the Accessibility Anywhere people. We now provide you accessible cloud solutions. And what that means is we provide uh, solutions that primarily work on the cloud, which means you can kind of bring them with you wherever you go. Uh, one of the things that we're going to talk about today is actual an on-premise uh, solution that we're just rolling out. But we are doing, we're, uh, we produce Scribe for Meetings, which is uh, the last thing we were here to talk about, as Matt said. Uh, which has to do with providing access to conferences like this in an accessible way. Uh, if you have a presentation and it's not accessible, we provide a way to make that solution, the, the content of that uh, meeting accessible to all of your attendees. And you can read about that at our website or at uh, scribeformeetings.com. And Matt, what else do we have? So we also have a product called Scribe for Documents which gives you automated remediation of documents in a variety of formats, including PDF. You can take a PDF document and convert it into several different output formats, including tagged PDF, web pages, uh, Microsoft Word documents, Braille, EPUB, audio uh, via text-to-speech, and a few others. And we also offer um, affordable human remediation for documents for those times when automated or augmented remediation, as we call it, just doesn't isn't quite good enough. And the most famous product that uh, the, the, the most popular product right now that we have is our remote incident manager or RIM, which is our accessible remote desktop solution for remote training, technical support, and just server administration for Windows servers in particular, and just generally remotely accessing uh, both Windows and Mac computers uh, with full accessibility on both sides of the connection. It's pretty interesting because of all the products that we have created at NUMA, which we created the two. And then RIM was developed by Matt many, many years ago. Uh, oh, goodness, what was it, 2006, seven in there? Yeah, we, we released RIM in 2007. Um, and then we did uh, RIM version 2.0 a couple of years later. And, uh, and that was back when we were Saratech. 
and rim um rim worked well for a number of years but it got a little long in the tooth as as uh, various relevant technologies continued to advance and uh we gave rim a makeover last year and Huge makeover. A, re- a rewrite actually yes ground up rewrite yep and it has been uh numa's most successful product so far and ryan you use rim don't you in your uh in your day-to-day uh work around the internet don't you for time to time, I do. Occasionally, I'll still use JAWS Tandem if my other <gasps> user has JAWS. Sorry, what? but I do. Yep. Um, and, you know, ultimately, if they don't, I have RIM I can fall back on, and it's it's been a great experience. So it's nice to have options. And that, that's an interesting point you raise. Why, why would you, why do you use RIM as a fallback? That's not a, that's not a challenging question. It's just an interesting question because what we're finding with users, it's the opposite. Not even as a fallback, Mike, if a user already has JAWS, I don't need to walk them through downloading and installing RIM. They've already mm-hmm. got JAWS. I can just bring up Tandem and away I go. Makes sense. Makes sense. That's all. Although although downloading RIM is really easy, uh, you just go to getrim.app. Depends and... on the user, as you know. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. This is true. This is true. Yeah. Uh, if, you're, if, you're, if you're familiar with how to install software, it's really just a, a kind of a one-click it install is. and well, to be fair we can't all script it like hartgen does yeah, for yeah, users yeah. of his products for sure yeah i think but, it was most i'm thinking what's most shocking is that uh, you're able to get the domain get rim.com <laughs> no get rim. Oh, it was get rim.app oh okay I see. Yeah, don't go by. to .com everybody you're, the, the, <laughs> you know i've heard that uh, joke before and i don't even oh want to talk my. about what that means it's just yes. it, yeah Really, remote incident manager is what RIM stands for. And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> right. And so the big announcement you guys recently had was the support on Mac. So can you kind of explain how that works? So I'm assuming we can do, well, I know we can do Windows to Windows. I'm assuming now we can do Windows to Mac, Mac to Windows, Mac to Mac. All of the above. Uh, the 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 one... The one major wrinkle that you do have is that when you're installing RIM on Mac uh, to be used as either a controller or a target, see, we we adopted the JAWS tandem terminology because <laughs> it just makes sense to us. Right. But um, whether, whether you are uh, using it to make an outgoing connection or you will be receiving remote help, um, there are several permissions that you have to give to the RIM app because that's just something that Mac OS requires that the we first can't time do you anything install. about. Yes, the first time you install RIM on a new Mac machine. But uh, we do our best to guide you through that process and give uh, very clear instructions um, that uh, about how to go about granting all of those permissions and we have instructions tuned for both voiceover and non-voiceover users yeah i think that the beauty of rim and what has really made rim uh really resonate with many companies and even individuals is the inclusivity of it it's a product that is a really good remote training and support solution that just so happens to have been made accessible from the ground up, which means that it works for everybody. And if you are a visually impaired 
controller, uh, you can basically control a person's machine or a target machine that has absolutely no accessibility on it. And the person uh, being having their machine worked on does not get text-to-speech on their side. They don't realize that they're working with a, a visually impaired person. Not that we're trying to keep it a secret, but if I'm here to fix your computer, we're really not here to talk about how I'm going to do it, just that I'm going to fix it, right? So inclusivity is really at one of the things that is at the core of uh, of RIM's development. And that's what we're really, you know, ultimately in our world, sure, we're here to sell the product and promote it and so on and so forth for as a company, but we would be just as happy to license the underlying uh, accessibility technology, accessibility module to a third party that can include it in a remote solution that has a much larger customer base than we have uh, than we have at NUMA Solutions right now. So just to kind of keep on the remote access tangent for a second, Matt, you were at Microsoft for a while. Do we know, was there any work being done on Quick Assist or any of their remote solutions to become accessible? I'm not aware of any work that was being done on Quick Assist. Now, there was quite a bit of work that was done on a different on a different application of remote desktop technology which was called the Windows Virtual Desktop or WVD and that was really for the use case of uh, of you have certain certain legacy desktop applications that you want to run but uh, not on every end user's own machine. You want to run them in a more controlled environment in like cloud virtual machines. And so you would uh, you would start Microsoft Word, for instance, and it would uh, connect to the, 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 the it would transparently connect to a remote virtual machine, run Microsoft Word there, but still run the assistive technology such as Narrator on your local machine. And then they, the assistive technology and the application would basically talk to each other over the remote connection. Right. But that's that's a really specialized use of, uh, of remote desktop access and is certainly not in the same category as as what we more typically think of with themes like team things like team viewer and quick assist and so no i'm not aware of any work that microsoft did to make a quick assist accessible to blind or otherwise disabled technicians in the same way that rim is Although I will say that I'm glad to see that we are not the only company that comes up with provocative titles for software, because I don't know if I'd want to stall something in my machine that's called WVD. I mean, I, it, I don't know. <laughs> just, just saying. <laughs> well, it's interesting uh, that, you know, the, the, the guys from Saratech are revolutionizing the industry again. You know, thank you. It's, it's impressive. I, I'm I'm just here. He he's the one that does it all. I, I just watch. <laughs> I just watch in 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 absolute amazement as uh, he does it. See, he he had access to the GPT portion of writing code many 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 years ago. Not just kidding. <laughs> well, Actually, you know what I find what I find really interesting about you guys um, 
you you've been around so long and you guys have been talking about the cloud and been working in the cloud for you know way before it really sort of entered the mainstream like i remember hearing about the company and hearing about some of the products and you know the cloud-based solution i'm like what the hell is the cloud like what are they talking about and you know and the same with even machine learning i mean you guys have been dabbling in that for for quite a while um before it, it has all really taken off like the way it is now everybody's in the cloud it's you know it's very common do you kind of feel a little bit kind of vindicated now that people like sort of understand its importance i i gotta be i gotta be real transparent about that because you're 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 really resonating with me right now um when we were doing this stuff at serotech it was it became the cloud later but really what we wanted to do was create something that everybody could use everywhere and they could bring their accessibility with them and as i've said before what is a necessity for you and i as blind people is uh, a luxury for others and now i'm glad to say that uh accessible that anything through the cloud is kind of a gotta have and you know accessibility in the cloud just kind of caught up so yeah i i, I don't know so much about vindication it's just the one thing that I think Matt and I have done from day one is kind of created the accessible world from a from a technological standpoint that we want to live in. And I think we've done that and we're we're continuing to do so. And and I get more and more excited as I see uh remote things happening. I mean, you know, we can use RIM now on Office uh, Windows 365 remote. Uh, remote instances and on remote servers and the the term accessibility and how are we going to do that through a cloud solution or, or on a remote box that has never seen accessibility though those days are behind us and I'm I'm pretty excited about that so I don't know so vindication but I really feel that we're we're doing something that isn't just a me too now the sad thing about that and the the the, the truth about that is that unfortunately few innovators, um, even in our space, kind of really, really, really benefit from, uh, you know, financially, I mean, from the fruits of their labors in the same way as the mainstream does. I mean, not all of us can be, for example, a Ted Henter who, you know, God bless him. I mean, that, you know, the the whole Jaws phenomenon, and I, and I would say it's a phenomenon. Jaws has, you know, hundreds of thousands of installations uh, hopefully we'll grow up to when we grow up, we want to be just like him. Uh, we're not there yet. We've done at this point, I can say we've done, um, tens of thousands of rim connections of rim rim sessions, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I love it. Um, I wrote a book about the cloud called cloudy with a chance of profit. And, uh, it was, uh, it was released a few years ago. Uh, oh gosh, about 12 years ago with very little fanfare, <laughs> And uh, and very small purchases on uh, on Amazon on on uh, Kindle books, but it really was kind of a a foray, and it was cr created so that middle managers and potential investors could understand what the cloud was. And I felt, uh, and I told Matt when when I wrote the book, I was like, you know, we got to have a seat at this table. We definitely have to be a voice, uh, at least for uh, for the future 
um, of what cloud is going to be. And thank God we put our money in the right place. By the way, I have uh, an approximate count of the number of RIM sessions that have been done to date on V3, if you want that. Sure. 19,000. There you go. Almost tens of thousands. <laughs> at least at oh, 20,000 or close. So we'll round up. Why not? Got to do marketing. <laughs> oh, and it's worth mentioning about it on, on, on the point about uh, uh, innovators not often uh, benefiting financially to a, a large degree uh, in a, a big way from their innovations. That happens in the mainstream too, you know. I was reading uh, just recently about how arguably one of the earliest inventors of the multi-touch touchscreen technology um, didn't get recognized for his work and and didn't get compensated handsomely for sure and and of course what happened was that apple and steve jobs got all the glory instead so it happens in the mainstream too yeah it's interesting it it almost doesn't pay to be too far ahead of the curve because then you kind of miss miss that opportunity to be being there at the ground level because somebody else swoops in and you know sort of takes that idea and and yeah and manages to well, get even, it in that good old mainstream even no hard feelings uh, but it's just a historical fact we matt and i first released uh remote accessibility uh before tandem tandem in fact was a me too to that and uh and and look at where you know where tandem has has gone in our community so i mean while we didn't benefit financially, we're really glad that we did it because a lot of us folks have benefited from it. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'm a blind person first. You know, if it benefits this community, this is the only company that you can call and you can talk to one of our our uh, our sales consultants. And if we can't do something and they know that another company can, we instruct them from management level down, tell them. Tell people, say, go here. This is what you're looking for. Because at the end of the day, we want our community to move forward uh, more than we want money in our bank accounts. Well, I mean, and I have to say that, you know, even on your website, I mean, you say that one of the mandates is, you know, to to keep the price point of um, assistive technology down. Um, You know, there are certainly other software developers in the AT space that do charge for things like uh, updates. I won't name any names. I mean, it's it's actually quite a few, I'm sure. But so, I mean, I think that that really goes, you know, that, that goes a long way in, in building sort of goodwill f- for the community. And, you know, it's interesting that, that that has been the case because the reality is that I realized earlier on because of course you know every time at serotech unlike here uh, at numa it's just matt and myself and you know and our team uh we have no investors we have no that the buck stops here and the buck starts here um it, it generally starts leaving our bank account to other people you know what one of the things that we've always said is that we're we're going to make products that sure they keep the lights on and they make and they and they you know they make the world go round but at the same time just because 
their AT doesn't mean that we get to charge a premium. We've railed against that in the past. Yes, we are a smaller market. Yes, there are specialized products. I get all that. But there are products out there that we know for a fact, you know, cost, you know, a tenth, 20% of what they're out, you know, a 10%, 20% of what they're being sold for. And that bothers us. The cloud thing, it just makes sense. If you have everybody on the same version, I mean, maintenance is a challenge because when you have somebody who is calling you and they haven't updated their software for three years and they're trying to, you know, and they're trying to update, you know, they're trying to run the latest version of this or that, and it's not compatible with the old version of your software, it creates a bad taste in their mouth and they don't understand the, the complexities of it. So keeping, keeping a price point where you can make money on the front end and you can continue to get the market to keep buying your product. Uh, I, I, I've just found that it's so much of an easier uh, way to manage internally and manage problems from a technical support uh, place when, when you have, when you know what your customer's using on their machine and you don't have to convince them, well, yeah, that was the case, but it's better now, but give me money and it'll get better. And that, that just, that just sucks. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, with, with a lot of AT, you know, uh, the, the reason there, there's a reason for that high price point, whether that's, you know, there it, it's the economy of scale or it's um, parts, very specialized parts that, that aren't manufactured you know, enough that, that they're, they're expensive. And so putting a lot of these hardware, hardware devices together can be certainly expensive. But I would think that software is a little bit different. Yeah, so um, I think that uh, oddly enough, uh, developing software in a small company environment like NUMA might actually be probably quite likely is less expensive than the equivalent development project in a big company like Microsoft simply because the uh, there's less overhead. There's uh, fewer people, uh, more, more lightweight processes um, at a place like NUMA. And um, it's true that at a company like Microsoft, once the software is developed, um, it, uh, it it reaches uh, orders of magnitude um, uh, at million you know, hundreds of thousands at least possibly millions of times as many people but um, but it, I, I would I think it's safe to guess that the equivalent development project can be done less expensively at a place like Numa and to the point about uh, software versus hardware, Yes, it's true that uh, once once a piece of software is developed, um, distributing the software is basically free, unless you're unless you're <laughs> you're putting your download server on a place like Amazon Web Services that charges by the gigabyte for bandwidth, which we don't. Um, but so the the thing I think that the the main thing that that one had. The, the, the two main things, I guess, that one has to take into account when setting a retail price for software are how expensive was it to develop and what it what do we think is the 
total size of the market, the total possible market that we might be able to reach with that, uh, with that software and uh, try to try to set it at a price that's, um, that's low enough to be affordable, but, and, and also of course, we want our price to be a reflection of the value that we believe people get out of it. But do you think that there are software developers out there that I like, because I, I feel like, you know, I look to things like, like I use, say, the Adobe suite a lot. I have for many, many years. And it used to be that that software suite was very expensive. I think it was even just to buy Photoshop, I think it used to be like almost a grand uh, to buy the program. And you, and you would buy it and you were good until they released a completely new version. And you would, I, I believe you would get like sort of updates. Um, but once they went to like whatever, 4.0 or or the next thing, then that was it. You'd, you'd have to sort of buy uh, the whole the whole suite again. And now it's very different. Everything's in the cloud. Everything is subscription-based. Um, and a lot of software developers have sort of gone that route to a subscription-based cost instead of like a really big chunk of change because I'm sure that they found that um, they weren't they weren't penetrating that sort of mainstream market because there's not a lot of like just people at home that would drop you know a thousand dollars on a piece of software so and they wanted in on that market so subscriptions was one of the ways to do that so for you guys has that ever been sort of a um, a, a model that you sort of um, went after as well so absolutely I mean and and that was an interesting debate that we used to have early on because um, I I did not go to accounting school. I did not do any of that. Um, and I learned about something called recurring revenue. And, you know, what, what ends up happening is if you look at just kind of a line of income on an income statement, when you have new releases, you get this up and then it just drops or it goes straight across. When you have recurring revenue, you know that you can forecast, you know that you can that you're going to have a certain amount of people because they're already paying you. and it kind of keeps cash flow going. Interestingly enough, a company can run really in the gray for 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 or even in the red for for many, many years as long as you've got cash flow. But the moment the cash flow stops, in other words, if you put out a great version of a piece of software and it sells really good, but then it doesn't sell for a while, you don't have money to keep, unless you counted your pennies right and you were really good about what impact that version was going to have. You don't have enough money to create the next one, man. And you're you're really shooting yourself in the foot. So we, uh, back at Serotech, at least, we used to do both. We would have solutions like DocuScan Plus, where you could buy it uh, for you know 299 bucks, or you could pay us $21 a month for accessibility anywhere, and you could get DocuScan Plus and Cero and System Access, which was a lot of money in software, but we would get money from it. And, and basically what we were doing at that time is people would buy it or we just sell corporate licenses because corporates don't like cloud services. They've, they've been dragged kicking and screaming to, uh, to cloud services um, because that's just the way it works. And the reality is that they can focus on doing what they do best. And I'm talking about end users um, and the cloud companies, the manufacturers can focus on what we do best and they just kind of set it and forget it. 
and we have to worry about the maintenance and the security and and all that good stuff. So it's there's it's a it's a great revenue model. Um, and now it's been you know of course it's been called SAS now software as a service and that's what we were doing way back in two thousand two two thousand three forward. Yeah, well it's 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 been called software as a service for like fifteen years plus, um, and I think that. Uh, I think that another good thing about subscriptions um, is that uh, unless the software has a strong element of uh, vendor lock-in where the, the the developers have done something that effectively forces the user into uh, yeah continuing to use the software or makes it difficult for the user to switch away, unless the, unless the software has a strong a degree of vendor lock-in, a subscription model sets up a strong incentive for us, the software developer and and uh, and, and software as a service provider, to continue to provide value month after month, year after year. Because if we don't, they'll cancel. Yeah, you're you're only as good as your next update. I mean, and that and that and that's something that that is really cool. Yeah, that's a that that's a pause to give me an opportunity to actually get my voice in on this podcast. Look Jump who's in. here! <laughs> Did you bring a cowbell, man? There's, there's one required. I've been I've been I've been here for a while. I got a I got a drawer full of cowbells. And her name is Liz. <laughs> that's he, right. He's all caught up. That, I, I I am aware of that. No, just saying. Okay, there was a debate about that at the beginning. <laughs> I, I don't be believe a, there's, there'll be a, there's been there'll any be debate quiz. other than how how Rob pronounces it. That, yeah, that, there'll there'll be a quiz about this at the end. <laughs> Gotta practice. Or shall we I, say there'll be a quiz? A quiz. <laughs> oh, nicely done. Nice. Good, 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 oh, good on you, done, Matt. sir. Oh, look what you did there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Steve. How's it going, guys? Good, man. Yeah. Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm late. I. Uh, had customer stuff and then my daughter called for a pickup and I went to pick her up and Rob texted me about two minutes away from picking her up. So Don't. I was not thinking with my timing. Nah, it's all right. Oh, well, all good. But here I am. Um, you know, we can come back to the NUMA stuff. So can you give us an update on where products that Serotech carried stand? I see Cero is still on your website, DocuScan Plus, you know, for those old Serotech customers, what's going on with that? Really, we 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 had to make a decision. Um, something catastrophic happened to one of my business partners back in 2017, and we were left with all of this IP, intellectual property, and customers that really wake up every day and depend on Cero. I'm not just talking about oh they like it or whatever. I'm talking about if Cero turned off tomorrow, a couple thousand people would lose the only connection they have to friends and family and information. And that really bugged the hell out of us. It really resonated with us. And we said, we've got to figure out a way to, you know, to make money at least enough to keep things going. And besides the fact that Matt and I always like the new shiny, shiny thing and say, man, we got to come <laughs> up with some way to apply this technology to something blind related we really felt a sense of responsibility. And when Serotech uh, shut down, we said, we'll take this stuff and we'll take it over. And we have done, like we would love to take the technology that's powering Scribe for Documents, for example, and feed it into DocuScan Plus. 
um, because we think that ultimately that's where it's going to go. And we'll probably go there at some point, but we have consumers. We don't make a big deal out of marketing Saro, uh, which is an online community and, and, and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and, but it, but it is out there for sale, but our main bread and butter really these days comes from professionals. Unfortunately, uh, not, it, it's funny. One thing is to charge somebody, a, you know, $1,100 for a screen reader. And even they have had to kind of acquiesce and drop the price for consumers. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's hard to beat a dollar or 99 cents for an app on the iPhone. So we had to really figure out, okay, how are we going to continue to innovate, not fleece the customers that we do get, but create enough. And that's, that's what we've, we've done with NUMA. We have a, a, a deep seated love for our consumers, but we're really not after the consumer market in that way that we were at, at Serotech, where it was just like all about, Hey, let's get the blind consumer can, you know, connected to this and connected right. to that here. It's, it's more along the lines of let's create solutions that we, we can do in a corporate scenario and we can use that same technology to create not a light version, but a version for the consumer. I don't think, for example, we have Scribe for documents uh, and we have for personal documents and we have Scribe for documents for, for large organizations that have libraries of millions of pages that they need to remediate. There's no need for that technology to, you don't need to, you know, none of us uh, as blind folks are going to process millions of documents, but that same technology can be scaled down and resold. And then again, that's the beauty of, of the cloud. So the other technologies are here, uh, things like system access, uh, the, the, the screen reader that will not die. I mean, we have, we have tried to kill that thing off more than one time and say, listen, you got NVDA, you got JAWS, you got narrator for heaven's sakes. And people are like, yeah, but I want my system access, man. And uh, we, we we ourselves uh, continue to use system access yeah. for some some use cases because we I mean our, our our users keep telling us how much they love it for for certain use cases and we have to admit we do too. And the and the cool thing, especially about system access, that Matt wrote it in such a way that it embraces accessibility standards. So cool. I remember the dark time where we said, man, we, we're not going to be able to do Windows 11, man. This is just, we're going to have to shut the sucker down. People are going to be pissed. I don't know what we're going to do. And all of a sudden I woke up one day and by George, without Matt doing a damn thing, Windows 11 worked. Why? Well, there are still a few rough edges we need to fix. Once they got their bugs worked out. Yeah. But yeah, but, and that was the thing is that, you know, because we said, I am, well, at least I said, you know, and, and Matt concurred, I am sick and tired of picking up freaking accessibility messes for third parties, mm. you know, so screw that because it costs money, man, To because that's what a screen reader has done before all these standards existed in the wild, wild west of what was uh, the PC innovations of the early 2000s. Uh, and before that, there were no standards. You know, everybody that had a screen reader was basically hooking and hacking their way to right. make these things work. Now there's standards. And and I'm looking forward to the day that there are so many standards that there that that there's such good adherence to these standards that there will be no difference in in the way that these things internally work. Now your interfaces may be different, and that's cool, you know, but basically 
I think that the responsibility lies on the operating system manufacturer. Uh, the same way I feel that accessibility is the responsibility of the tool, the, the tool manufacturers, the, the ones that make the tools that Matt uses to create the software. Accessibility is should not, I mean, it is now, and it's just turned out that way, but it shouldn't be on the side of, you know, we shouldn't have to make a business case for accessibility. Damn it, it just should work that way from the get-go. And if, if we've got money to spend as a community, then we should just be part of the crowd as everybody else. And it should just be a feature. When I see that uh, Apple has a long lasting bug in voiceover, it ticks me off to no end because Jonathan Mosen, I think, who's probably the loud, one of the loudest voices in our mm -hmm. community has said, hey, if they took that on, they are a screen reader company now. And he's absolutely right. You know, you've got millions of users with iOS and hundreds of thousands are affected, billions of users actually with iOS now. And, and hundreds of thousands of us are blind that are using it. Imagine if you, if you sighted folks turned on your computer tomorrow and you couldn't see half your screen. Well, there was a long time where you couldn't see your braille display the right way or whatever. And, you know, and these bigger companies, new levels, new devils, sure. But the new standards and 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 the adherence to them is definitely making it more where these companies can adhere to these standards and they fix something else over there. They're not breaking the accessibility portion of their operating system. I just want to add one more thing about Cero, and that is that uh, one of the things that we've done uh, within the past year or so is really uh, tighten up our Cero infrastructure so that it's it's much less expensive for us to run. So and so you can be you Cero users can be sure that uh, Cero is going to continue to uh, to be around for well basically for as long as we have paying customers because it it really just doesn't cost us much to run it anymore. Yeah, and, and to, to and keep it to keep the lights on. Yeah, and and our customer really isn't demanding. We don't have people lining up saying, "Give us more features on Saro." It's it works, and and when we introduce a feature, we get more griping about new features than we get applauds for it. When we when we change something, we're oh, you changed this. <laughs> but the new version for Android isn't new features that you can see, except for like your battery level. You know, your battery consumption is less. Uh, there's other things that were done under the hood. And the beauty of that is because we've become such a society of mobile users, uh, you don't have to pay 15 bucks a month anymore. If you don't want to, you can pay $6 a month and use it on one platform or one particular operating system. And you have free use of the software on that platform. So we've done our best to kind of walk that line, uh, you know, to where we're making money uh, we're able to maintain the software. At this point, Cero's maintenance is more important than Cero's enhancement. Although if somebody comes up with a great idea that fits, you know, we'd love to hear it. Uh, we haven't heard any great ones of late, but uh, feel free to uh, suggest on. We're, we're well, here. The one, we're the one big one that we know we need to do at some point is uh, Mastodon support in the Cero socializer for, for PC users. Right. Don't forget Facebook threads. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you know, I saw that today. I got to read about that later. Oh, there's been that. such an uproar in the Fediverse about that. <laughs> so Mike was talking 
a little earlier about the importance of development tool makers, including incorporating accessibility into their tools so that applications can be more or less automatically accessible. And uh, that segues into an open source project that I personally have been working on for just about two years now that, uh, that, that I'd like to talk about for a couple of minutes, if you guys don't mind. Sure, absolutely. So, so this project is called Access Kit, and the website is accesskit.dev, and it it focuses on um, cross-platform and cross-programming language accessibility infrastructure for desktop applications initially, but uh, we are also expanding into mobile applications and a particular category of web applications, specifically web apps that use, I don't know if any of you guys have heard of something called the uh, the canvas element in the web platform, where some applications can do a fully custom uh, user interface. And uh, if, if they don't go to extra effort to make it accessible, it appears to a screen reader as just a graphic. And it's 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 a pretty niche thing right now, but uh, web applications that do this do exist. And as better tools for porting uh, porting desktop applications to the web uh, become more widely used, I think that we're going to see more web applications of that sort. But what I'm primarily interested in are desktop applications that have have their own um, that, that have highly custom user interfaces or that use a uh, a custom GUI toolkit it's called and there there are several of these uh, GUI toolkits uh, floating around uh, uh, lots GUI of means graphical user interface it's not sticky yes. people it's yeah, not mushy. sorry yes <laughs> yes graphical user interface or GUI toolkits that um, and that there, there are lots of open source ones. Most, if not many of them are cross-platform. Um, one, one particular category of application where you see these a lot is um, audio production, uh, digital audio workstation type applications. And I always say that's ironic because blind musician is such a stereotype, you know? Um, but uh, Access Kit is providing a reusable implementation of the various platform accessibility APIs, such as UI automation on Windows, uh, the, the Mac accessibility API, the Linux accessibility API. Uh, my my colleague, Arnold Lubria, has started working on, who, who has been working with me on Access Kit from, the, from pretty much the beginning. He started working on an Android implementation, and we'll get to iOS at some point. Um, but, uh, it's, it's, it's an open source, uh, project. Uh, we, we appreciate community contributions from, from developers. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, accesskit.dev. Um, I was, uh, privileged to re receive funding from Google to work on, on this project, especially last year. And, uh, I'm, uh, continuing to look for uh, for more funding to uh, be able to spend some more time uh, being paid to work 
on access kit. So I, I just kind of, I, I, I go back and forth to some degree between working on access kit and working on NUMA stuff. Yeah. I, so. I think it's, I think it's exciting. Um, of course, uh, for, for the benefit of the listeners, what Matt is talking about are the tools that are used to develop software. So there's no, that's right. It, it's, it's, it's what you actually interface with, with what Matt, and the folks um, that are working on this project are doing is they're making the world a more accessible place. And Matt is simplifying that process by instead of saying, okay, you all need to go out and create an entire, uh, just kind of a, an entire company culture behind accessibility. Here's a, here's a tool that you basically wire it in for, for lack of a better term into your existing software and it's going to make it's going to speak screen reader <laughs> you know or more, gonna... to, more to the point um it's saying that uh yeah you you developers that uh that that like to do your or have good reasons for doing your own highly custom user interfaces you don't have to implement ui automation and mac accessibility and linux accessibility and all these other things from scratch we have we have a ready-made implementation that uh that you can use and you just need to uh you you just need to implement you just need to use a cross-platform a single cross-platform api that that is in some ways a lot like uh, web accessibility standards like ARIA, and and you automatically get uh, from implementing that. I mean, you you do still need to put in some work, but from implementing this and using this straightforward API, at least I like to think it is, um, you get uh, you automatically get accessibility for all these supported platforms, sure. and and the 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 results that I've seen from the developers that have started using access kit in the last half year or so um, suggest that uh, we are in in fact succeeding at that goal now, now in the words of sister mary elephant everybody wake up okay <laughs> yeah cause... no listen i'm awake like you you know you, we have been talking on the podcast um for years now about how it's so important that the developers understand accessibility and have ways to build software accessible from the ground up. We've been saying it over and over and over again. It's it's way easier to to do it that way than to build out a piece of software or an app, and then they have to figure out how to jigger, um, you know, accessibility into it after the fact. And it's it costs twice as much and it's twice as long and twice as likely not even to happen. Well, one of the things I wanted to talk about for a second was sure. what we are about to release. And, you know, we are, you know, actively uh, developing uh, RIM and Describe products. And one of the things that we're really excited about besides the Mac implementation, which the Mac implementation is important. It's important for an organization, especially ones that, that train blind folks um, to use RIM because RIM, as, as, uh, as uh, our guys internally say, it's the one RIM to rule them all. And with this one product, you can remotely train and support people 
uh, on all of these different platforms going back and forth. And you can use valuable resources that perhaps are geographically challenged. I mean, Canada is a big place. If you've got somebody in Toronto and they need support uh, over uh, in BC, you know, and it used to be that they'd have to, you know, get the machine there. And because if they didn't have uh, the a specialist in that area, what were you going to do? You were going to bring, you know, the mountain to Muhammad or Muhammad to the mountain. With or our perhaps to use a, a, a better example, um, I mean, Canada uh, is, uh, is sparsely populated in a lot of areas, as, as you guys know. And so if you've if you guys have got an AT specialist in Toronto and you need to train somebody that lives out in, say, I don't know, Sudbury, that's uh, also in Ontario, but a much less populated place. And uh, and you you want your your person in Toronto to be able to remotely help the person in Sudbury, then now you've got a way to do that. Yeah. And not to mention that these trainers sometimes are visually impaired and, you know, as, as good as we all are at mobility, Hey, I'll take sitting at my, my desk working on somebody's machine anywhere in the world, much more than getting on a plane and dealing with trains and Ubers and this and that and the other. But one of the things that we've done of late uh, because we've had some demand for it is we've created uh, the RIM on-premise uh, version, which what that means is it allows it allows an organization to deploy on their own infrastructure. The cloud is a public place, uh, and it is a secure public place, and I certainly don't want to demean the public cloud, but there are organizations that still say, we don't want the cloud, but we want what you provide. And, uh, and we are happy to announce that we are getting ready to release the RIM uh, Remote Incident Manager for the enterprise. And that is a private installation. It's significantly more uh, by, by at least 10 times of what is, uh, what is out there now. But for those that need it, it is a very welcome opportunity. So think about, for example, those uh, those blind folks that work in law enforcement or work in highly highly uh, secretive or secure environments. They can't go out. Uh, federal governments, for example, state governments. Uh, we we have a, a customer right now. A potential customer that is looking at our technology that just said we will wait and we've been talking to them for almost a year about getting getting onto their getting you know getting into their state and they're like no we want it we love it but we can't afford to expose ourselves to the cloud and this is where rim of uh, the enterprise and the the uh the the on-premise what we call on-premise version is going to really shine. So we're we're pretty excited about that. The other thing that we're doing uh, that is going to be out within the next quarter or so is RIM localization. I've been corrected a number of times, so we do not call it translation, people. It is localization. Uh, and, uh, and we will be uh, releasing uh, with Spanish, Italian, German, French, Parisian French to get started. And uh, and also, uh, I what was the other one? Swedish. Um, sw Swedish. Thank you. Uh, all right. Well, hey, listen, another successful appearance on the good old AV Banter podcast, boys. Well done. Well, thank you for you. having us. We're, it's always a pleasure to be here. Um, for anybody out there who wants uh, 
more information on Scribe, on RIM, on Cero, on anything else that you guys are up to, where the heck can they find you? They can go to numasolutions.com. That's P N E U M A solutions.com we put the p in there just to tick blind people off to wonder how you you know because your screen reader doesn't say it um and it's important that you go there because there's a number of pricing uh levels for all of our products we want people to use them we don't want to price you out so you'd be surprised at how 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 affordable that these products can be and really you know, we understand uh, that you don't always uh, need accessibility every second. So we try and create both uh, subscriptions that people can use on a monthly basis or an annual basis, but also those one-off times that you need to work on somebody's computer. You know, hey, for 10 bucks, you know, you can work on somebody's computer for 24 hours. You know, for 20 bucks, uh, you can work on, you know, on a number of people's computers over a 24 hour period. So, you know, we really do try to, uh, to accommodate the wallets, the budgets uh, of our customers. So visit us at Numa Solutions, P-N-E-U-M-A solutions.com. I have to thank you for, for all the work that you've done. And you guys really are doing software development right, I feel like. So uh, great company, encourage everybody to thank go you. out, visit Numa, support them. And uh, yeah, let's let's build an accessible world. Let's do it. Um, listen, boys, thanks again. And uh, please come back uh, when you've you've got some new announcements. We'd love to have you back on. Awesome. We Good night. Good Ciao. night. Bye. All right. Look at that. Done. They really are doing it right. <laughs> like I I I wasn't just blowing smoke. I I really do feel like these guys are. This is what we've been yelling about for so long is that, you know, how software developers need to, to have accessibility in mind when they're developing um, an app or a piece of software or even a piece of hardware. And uh, these guys have been doing it since day one. See, we should have asked them actually what we should, what technology we should invest in next. Because they seem to be right about the whole cloud thing. So mm -hmm. throw some throw some AT banter money at uh, some invest in something invest in anything to do with uh, remediation to extreme weather events yeah <laughs> it's right <laughs> or like these big fans that can blow away wildfire smoke there you go I'm in <laughs> are you still getting it yep wow wow well it's smoky here today so yeah I can feel the scratchiness in the back of my throat. All right. Well, anything else to say about that? Or shall we get out of here? Let's, Let's get, get on out, out of here. here. <laughs> it's unanimous. <laughs> uh, hey, Liz. Uh, hey, Rob. Did I get it right? I don't know. I yeah, know you totally did. It was right on the border. Time, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. That was, no, that was a good one. That was good. <sighs> I see. I got to practice. I'm going to wow, have to be, okay. I'm gonna be sitting in front of a mirror for the next like two weeks. Just being like, you're this. just going to clip that and loop it, aren't you? This, 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 this. Maybe I'll make a soundboard actually. So I can be, be like, hey, this. <laughs> uh, where can people find us? Uh, they can find us at atbanter.com. Hey, they can also drop us an email, but not the cowbell. 
if they so desire, at cowbell at atbanter.com. Uh, Steve, we're, we're teasing Ryan because he earlier in the show, uh, actually, I think it was before the show, actually, but he, he was the getting cowbell the, the cowbell. Yeah, there he dropped a, the cowbell and he literally couldn't find it. It took him like 10 minutes to find yeah, it. Yeah, there was a fumble, fumble on the on the play. Oops. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, but it's all good. No oh, cows well, were yeah. harmed it, in the saving of the cowbell. Save it, it for the looper reel. Right. Uh, what else? Where else can people find us? Instagram, still on Twitter, Mastodon, and maybe Facebook threads. I, we'll have dude, to wait and see. I'm just gonna tell you, don't go to Twitter. It's people, just <laughs> let's just let's uh, let's can we kill collectively. Twitter? No, let's. We don't have to kill it. Nothing that just let's just stop it. Just stop going to it. Just let. All let's right. let's, let, let's it, let Twitter die. It's yeah, slow eventual exactly. death. Like it can just be a footnote in Elon Musk's biography. Yeah. Bought bought Twitter in twenty twenty whatever two killed it by 2023 yeah so i used to think that guy was really smart but now i'm just uh, i don't know his problem is he keeps talking he should just stop talking yeah maybe just just do his businesses you know and shut up yeah just stay in the background yeah. like, throw money at stuff let let people who know what they're doing drive things and drive innovation and yeah yeah his latest pronouncements just make him look foolish right like uh, yeah. you know banning banning the term cisgender on twitter because mm -hmm. it's a uh a slur <laughs> well it's what would you say rob i think you said it was latin yeah yeah or, so i think wait, so yeah and uh and then the latest one uh they they should not let people who haven't had children vote <laughs> <laughs> you know the guy's oh, wait, just I, he's I love the of the mindset about that yeah because yeah i don't know well so yeah so don't go to twitter but facebook instagram and mastodon which we'll have to post something i don't know i haven't posted anything on mastodon i even loaded it up so i'll have to get it i actually have to download it i guess all right can you get it on pc and your phone or what sure well <laughs> there's, yeah there's mastodon clients okay. Okay. um for any platform yeah okay all right yeah. i'll try it out all right so is there a character limit because i hate that about twitter i always go over it and then i'm just like well what am i going to cut out i think there is but it's way bigger than twitter's was okay good so i have to cut you know you cut the punctuation then you're still like seven characters too long <laughs> and you're just like oh now i gotta find a word that i don't need Rob and then by the end of it you sound like an idiot skills. i'm verbose what can i tell you're you are very verbose <laughs> my wow. god your alt text reads like I'm like oh my god your alt oh, text goes on forever. I love my alt text. <laughs> oh my god, I don't think blind people like it. <laughs> okay, well everybody, write in, write in, and see what you think about my alt text. I write in and tell us if you've noticed any alt text. Verbose. They should they should find every. I always alt text everything. He's loquacious. Like yeah, see exactly. He says, Find me at Thriller, Thriller Fest a, next year. He's a sesquipedalian. <laughs> yeah, but I think you can just wipe that off and go what home What are you now. talking about? I don't like fish at all. Oh, God. <laughs> all right, let's get out of here. Hey, that, that is going to about do it for us this week. Big thanks, of course, to Matt and Mike for joining us. And we will see everybody next week. 
you drop the cowbell again? Oh, no, I put it away so I wouldn't drop it. Oh, for Christ's sake, will you stop putting it away for the show ends? What are you doing? You know we always do that. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com.